Well, I want to welcome everybody to this live broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I know you're going to be blessed and impacted by the Word of God's grace. I'm so excited to just be able to share this message with you. I'm so excited for everybody that is just, um, you know, listening to these broadcasts. You know, I've just seen that we've, got, we've had a massive increase in downloads uh, since we've uh, taken our programs and put them on the on the player for the live broadcast and for the, I mean, the television station for, at the Greystream Television. We've gone up from 16 or 16 to 18 gigabyte a month and where we're running about almost 50 gigabyte for this week. So um, it's really increased. More and more people are watching the things. I've been um, speaking to some of the broadcasters that's going to broadcast. They're very excited. One of the broadcasters has made their first broadcast uh, or their first uh, session the Sunday of their live service. So tomorrow we will be speaking to each other how to encode and everything and then upload that file and start to play it. So at the moment we've got, I think it's seven or eight broadcasters that's willing to broadcast on the station. So I'm excited and I know this is going to impact the lives of people. And as the player gets connected to different um, or to these broadcasters' websites, we will see an increase of viewers, I'm sure of that, and an impact in the lives of so many people. Another thing that, I've, um, that they've just launched uh, in the week, and it's, it's working, they said it's going to take three months, um, but they've, I think it's three days ago it started to work, is the, the high-definition broadcast. So this broadcast will be able to, done, will be able to do this in um, high definition, very, very high quality. So you can plug it into your television and then watch it like television. So, uh, but that's for the future. We first want to just get everything settled, everything working well, and then we can think of that. Then I want to just welcome everybody that's a first-time viewer. Maybe you're not watching this live broadcast or the, you're watching the rebroadcast or at some time you just slotted in and you went into the on-demand part and you're just watching this. You know, for the first time, I want to welcome you. You are special to God. You know, the value of a person is determined by what somebody was willing to give for that person. And what God gave us in order to save us was Himself. And that's what He said to Abraham in Genesis 15 verse 1. He said, Abraham, I am your exceeding great reward. And, and the blessing of Abraham, which is righteousness, which is the very being of God, came upon us as Gentiles who believed. And through faith, we've got access into this grace. So I want to say to you, if you're a first-time viewer, uh, maybe you don't know the message of grace. Maybe you don't know the message of God's unconditional love. And out of that, the first thing I want to say to you, you are so valuable to God. Um, even, if you are, if, even if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I want to tell you, you are valuable to God. For the value that you have to God was determined by how He made us, how He created man, and when He created man in the beginning, He made man in His very image and in His very likeness. And then man got lost through one man's disobedience, which, and that's the disobedience of Adam. And when that happened, a very valuable possession got lost. So I want to say to you, the fact that you might experience that you lost, the, the fact that you experience that God is not close to you and you feel far from God and all those type of things, does not change your value. You are very valuable to God. And I believe that in this session you will start to realize how to, how to experience that value and how to walk in the power of that value um, and how to experience 
true salvation and the redemption of who you are and what God has made in man. Amen. So, if you're a first-time viewer, you are more than welcome um, to, to, to just man, continue to watch and just experience the peace of God. We are there for you. Amen. You know, Paul said something very powerful. He said that um, we are not your masters. Talking about preachers. He said, we are your servants. We are here to serve you. And that is exactly what God, um, what, what we do today. Dynamic Love Ministries, Grace Stream Television, and all of that is just there to serve you. That's all that, that it's about. To serve people with a life of God. Amen. Now today we're going to have communion. So um, you, you can just uh, get the, the elements ready in future. We will have it uh, up earlier in the week. Um, if you slot it in earlier, maybe half an hour before the time, you would have seen that we've had an overlay that said that we're having communion today. And if you've got any questions, you know, in future, um, we will, you can email to live at dynamicministries.com and uh, we will answer your question in the live session. Uh, so, if you've got any questions, you can, you can do it that way. If it's not the live session, you're watching this um, in the, in the on-demand part of, this, of, the, of the station, uh, you can still send uh, your question. Just know it will not be answered because it's not a live broadcast. But in the live broadcast at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, GMT plus 2 South African time, you can ask your question. We will answer it for you live. Now, I think that is awesome. You know, it's, it's just something that just dropped into my heart. Another thing that we're going to do is, um, I, uh, in future, it seems to me as if all doors are opening that I'll be making, um, that I'll be broadcasting every day on a local television station or a station that covers Africa and Europe. And I'll have to broadcast every day, Monday to Friday. So we will make our programming on Mondays. And uh, what I was thinking of, uh, for the beginning of the channel, until we've got enough broadcasters, what we will do is we will air the making of those programs live. So um, you will, there will be another camera here running, just showing you what we're doing, how we're making the broadcast, and all of that. So those of you that want to slot in on Mondays, now we will, we will say to you in advance from which Monday we start. Our programming has been handed in for, for a uh, um, uh, a couple, for a month or two already but um, I think in a week or so we will know when we will start with this, with the broadcasting on TKC so yes look out for that that's also going to bless you you will see that on the, uh, um, on the screen we will advertise everything that's going on so look into that Amen now I want us just to pray together before we get into the word of God and into worship Father I want to thank you for everybody that's watching, I want to thank you for your unconditional love, your mercy and your grace. Thank you, my God, that you're a God of comfort. You're a God of love. You're a God that shows your unconditional love. Thank you that we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel of grace. That it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Thank you, my God, that many people will believe through Grace Stream Television, through Dynamic Web Church, through many Preachers, uh, preachers that are preaching the grace of God. Thank you for that, my God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, I want to just welcome all the Dynamic Web Church members. Thank you for slotting in. I know that... Um, oh, I first want to thank you just for your faithfulness and always encouraging me, writing me an email um, and just faithful watching. You know, I, I get 
it's funny, you know, so many times we look at the counters and how many people watch and, um, and then you say, oh, there's just a few people watching. But then you get an email from the other side of the world that says, I've watched, you know, and it's, it's, uh, he was not part of that counter. So, so many times these things just work in, in, in a way that is just, we can't just look with our eyes at it and say, well, you know, um, let's look at this counter. But we're looking at what God does for people and how much God loves people and how much God cares for people. And we know that this is impacting so many lives. So, I just want to thank all those guys that watch faithfully, that supports the ministry. Thank you for your support. Um, thank you for your prayer support. Thank you for just your moral support in this. And saying, saying to me, yes, Bertie, go for it. Do it. We're behind you. It's wonderful to know that there are people that, that sees the life of God in this ministry and that backs it, um, you know, with, with their life. Amen. Now, I want to just speak um, a little bit about finances. In, and we're going to go to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter nine. Now let's go to chapter eight, verse one. Um, you know, I've, I've I've mentioned this many times. You know, yesterday I spoke to somebody about tithing, and sowing and reaping and all of that. And um, the the guy says that he still believes in tithing, but not from a manipulative way, just as a constant giving. Um, and I also I must say this: I believe in the same. Uh, tithing is not something you do to be blessed. Tithing is not going to change God's mind about blessing you um, if you tithe or if you don't tithe. Sowing and reaping is an Old Testament principle. It's just another way of man, man's effort to attain the place or the, the blessing that comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. So, um, we, we don't believe in tithing as something that you do in order to be blessed. We don't believe in sowing so that you can reap finances um, later on, you know, and as a security for being financially blessed. We don't believe in that. But we do believe in the effect of the nature of God that comes onto people. We believe, we believe in constant giving so uh, or stable giving. And that is just not something that I believe happens because, you know, God has commanded anywhere in the New Testament. Nowhere in the New Testament has it been commanded that you must give uh, um, in a constant way every month. It's nowhere was that commanded. But just as, as, um, as a matter of practicality, you know, it's just like you've got a business and you've got your constant income and you've got people that, that, that buy from you on a regular basis or you work for a salary and you get a constant income. You know, there's some piece that's with that. It's as easy as that because you know, listen, I'm getting... Uh, 10,000 rand a month or $5,000 or whatever you get a month, you get that per month and you know what you can buy with that. And, um, what, and, and you know, so many times you can fall into the trap to, to trust in finances. So you can't trust in finances, but constant giving is something that, um, that helps the church a lot. So those of you that give constantly, thank God for you. Those of you that give once in a while, Thank God for you. None of the way, none of your way of giving determines your righteousness. It doesn't. But giving determines the preaching of the gospel to a certain degree. It happens. I've seen it so many times, you know. Um, so, yes, the Bible says, how can they preach unless they've been sent? So, by giving, you send people. So, you know, for a very long time, I've just laid, a, laid, a, laid the, uh, the foundation of grace and taught you guys for, for long saying, you know, that you are not blessed by what you give. 
you are blessed by the, what God gave and He gave Jesus Christ. You know, but I, I also see a fruit of being under grace. And one of the fruit of being under grace is generosity. So generosity flows naturally from the hearts of people. So if somebody comes to you and says, you know, I hear you don't believe in, um, in, in tithing and sowing and reaping, say to them, yes, um, you know, I don't believe in giving to be blessed, but I do believe in the nature of God that comes onto a person as the grace of God is revealed to him. Now, so many times, um, and for long, I never basically said that in a great, great way because, or I have never emphasized that, because of the sickening, crippling um, doctrine that says you must give to be blessed. And so many times, somebody that listens from a law perspective, all that he does is he hears to listen, when are you going to say that giving is going to come from man? Because that's all they want to hear, you know. When are you now going to give? That's why I never said that. But, but the truth is that when the Spirit of God comes upon you, um, you know, concerning your finances, there's a couple of things that happen. The, number, the first thing, number one thing that happens is you are set free from fear. You are set free from fear. You're not scared of the future anymore. You're not scared of your situation because uh, money is like the grass and you know that. You know, listen, money can, it's like the grass day today, tomorrow it's burnt, it's gone. And a week later you see grass coming out again. It comes and goes sometimes. But we find our rest in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. You know, when it comes to this ministry, broadcasting, this grace stream television, all those type of things, I've got so much peace in my heart when it comes to finances because I know that it rests in the very being of God and in the cross and in the stability of the provision Jesus has today where he seated at the right hand of the Father. Because as God provides for Jesus, where he seated at the right hand of the Father, that's how he provides for us. Amen. For we are in Christ. Now, the word in in the Bible um, says there, it's, it speaks as a relation to rest. So when you're in Christ, it speaks of resting in Christ. So, I, I believe that um, a better translation of the word in would be when you say in Christ, you should, should say resting in Christ or um, to rest in Christ. So, whenever you read in Christ, in Him, you know, it speaks of resting in Him. So, when it comes to finances, I want to say this, that it's also in Christ. So, when it comes to your money, you can rest in Christ, in what is done for you. Hallelujah. Now let's just read 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. In other words, now that's the English way, King James way of saying, we want to testify of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberty. For to their power I bear record, yes, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, what happens here is, Paul didn't come and say, listen, you must now give to my ministry. That's not what happened. He shared with them about the church in Corinth that was going to give towards poor churches and, um, and that there was churches that was going to give and they were collecting everywhere to help the poor church um, I think it is in Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I, I'm not sure, but somewhere a very poor church um, that they had to help. 
And then this very poor church, which was in Macedonia, um, the grace of God came upon them. And now listen to this. It says, How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberty. In other words, what happened was, they were very poor, um, but they were happy in the grace of God, and the grace of God came upon them, and the grace of God has set them free. And they were so free that they could eventually start to give even if they were poor. So they were not bound by finances in any way. So we are free when it comes to the grace of God. We are free not to give and be blessed by what God has done. And we have been set free from being stingy and the fears of not having. That's what it says. They've been set free. They, uh, it, they abounded... Um, their giving and their joy abounded unto the riches of their liberty. So they, they were very rich concerning liberty. They were liberated in every aspect. They were even liberated from the fact, they were liberated from the mentality that says, I have what the bank says I have. They were set free from that. They were liberated to say that in my heart, I am a giver and I experience the passion to give and the compassion to, sh- to, 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 to give to some other church and I am not bound by what I have. Um, because so many times we are so bound by what we have, we say, you know, I must have this amount before I can do a certain thing. And that is just not the way it works. Now, you are also free to do it that way. But there's a higher form of liberty. And the higher form of liberty is not to say, well, I'm going to give on the basis of my income. I'm going to give on the basis of what I feel in my heart I want to do. And that's the freedom that the church in uh, Macedonia has received. They've been set free from uh, being stingy as well. They've been set free from this world's way of thinking about money. So I want to say this to you. As you study the grace of God, you will find that this freedom can also come to your life. You know, I've, uh, in my life, I, I live like a normal person in this world. You know, I know what it is to have nothing and I know what it is to have a lot of money in the bank as well. And let me tell you something, the amount of money in your bank does not determine the spirit, your spirit of giving. What sets you free to be a giver is simply the message of God's grace. And a revelation of God's unconditional provision between the Father and the Son. And if you can identify yourself in the Son. The moment you do that, you find that you are set free. So, I want to say this. Maybe you've got in your heart this, this passion. And I, I really say this with, um, not with a hidden motive. You know, God, God meets our needs. I'm not saying this to get money from you. If you feel that I say this to get money from you, don't give to this ministry. You know, Don't give to any ministry. You are free not to give and still to be blessed. You are free to live what is inside your heart. But the truth is this. There are many people that are bound when it comes to finances and they live and bound when it comes to giving and they live under the illusion that says, if I get enough, then I can give. Then I can start to give. And live this compassion that I have towards the work of God. 
I mean, I've, I've seen somebody, he came and he spoke to me and he said to me, Bert, you know, um, it would be so nice for me. I also wish I had some money to give to your ministry. Um, but the guy drives the newest and the best of everything. You know, um, he, he spends thousands and thousands of rands on games, computer games. You know, so um, the only thing that happens is, it's not that he doesn't want to give. In his heart, he is pure. And the motive of his heart is right. And he feels the unction of the, of the new nature of God inside a person to do it. But there's just a wrong belief when it comes to finances. And um, the belief is that we are rich when we've got a lot. And that is a lie. <laughs> you know, so uh, we are not rich because we've got a lot of money. We are rich because, our, because of the fact that we are in Christ. And that includes finances. So we've got a constant, stable provision that comes from God. And that takes away our fear and we can give. Amen. So if you maybe from some other church and you're watching this for the very first time, I want to just say this to you. Give to your church. Give to, give to the place where you feel in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And of course, from a grace perspective and... Uh, um, and I see myself as a 100% grace preacher. And as, as from the perspective of the grace gospel, man, support the gospel of grace. Amen. You know, um, if, if you know of some grace preacher in your area, go and support his ministry, man. If you're in a grace church, support that church. If you feel that this church is blessing you, man, support it from, your, from the abundance of your heart. And... I say this with a pure motive and God sees my heart. I'm not saying this to get money from you. I'm not saying it for that purpose. The reason why I say this is simply to teach this truth that's also in the Word of God. Because there's so much controversy when it comes to tithing and sowing and reaping and giving and people don't know how and when and how much and why and all of that. Let me just, just round this up before we're going to go into worship. I want to just say it this way. You don't give to get. You don't tithe to be blessed. You don't give to, give, to, to keep your pastor happy. You, you never give because of manipulation. You don't do those things because it will kill you. It's the ministration of death. It will kill you. Your own financial giving can make you poor. You know, I, I visited the pastor uh, about 60 k's from here. I went through with my motorbike. And we just, I went early in the morning, we had breakfast together and fellowshiped. And, um, and we spoke about tithing, stone reaping, giving and all that. And, and, he, and we spoke about some of the people that he knows that is wealthy. And then, you know, after a while they become poor, you know, when they get saved and all of that. And he asked me, Bertie, why do you think it is like that? And, um, you know, this brother still preaches tithing and sowing and reaping. And I just used boldness. And I said, my brother, I know you, you can disagree from me, but I want to just say the truth. One of the big reasons is because of the tithing teaching. Because the Bible says, cursed is every man that's under the law. And why are people millionaires for 20 years when they're in the world and they come to church and they're a millionaire until they hear the tithing teaching and then they start to tithe and then they start to become poor? So it must have some influence. So, the moment you get under a law mentality, you, you get to a place where you in your heart feel, I don't qualify. And you start to do things that's not rational, that's not good, that doesn't make business sense. 
So, um, and I don't want to get into a lot of that, but that's what I said to this guy. That's, that's, how, that's what I feel about this. That's how strong I feel about this. You know, that that is, that's bringing the curse, man. That is killing you. That's bringing, a, that, that's bringing disappointment and despair in the hearts of so many people because they've tithed faithfully and they don't see a hundredfold return. And all of a sudden you judge yourself out of a hundred. You only got tenfold. So, you know, I'm only ten percent there. Now, that doesn't happen cognitively, but that rests in the subconscious mind of people that think that way. You know, so I want to just say this to you. Know this, you don't tithe because you manipulate it. You don't tithe or give anything because of a law God commanded. Because there's no command in the New Testament that you must give. All that it says is that the laborer is worthy of his wages. In other words, don't think that um, if people give towards somebody that preaches the gospel, he's not worthy of that. He is, for he labored. You know, that's it. But it's not the thing of, listen, I've labored to you, now I shall have your money. People that does that, you know, um, switch off the television, man, or just go home, or forget about what he said. It's, it's not the gospel. It's not the message of grace and it does not promote the character of God. You know, our prayer life, the way we live, let's just get to prayer life quickly, the way we pray is 100% determined to our understanding of the character and the person who we, pr- who we pray to. In the same way with giving, our giving is determined by the character of the one that meets our needs and our revelation of His character. If you think that God only meets your needs because you give, you know, then, then you've got a wrong understanding of that. And you might say, Bertie, but there are many ministries out there that's, that's, that's rich, you know, and they follow that principle. Well, bless God, you know, for people that are rich. There are people out there that smuggle drugs that's rich. There are people out there that, um, that does many things and, and they're rich. We can't take the amount of money that we have as a, as a measure of the blessing of God in our lives. The blessing of God in our lives is the greatest blessing you could ever have is righteousness as a gift. So don't measure your blessing the, the way God blesses you on the amount of money that, that you have in your life or the amount of money that ministries has. You know, if, if you would have done that in the time of Paul or if Paul would have lived now, Paul would have seen, been, been seen as the most cursed ministry there is, for he was so, so poor. Paul was not rich. And let me tell you, anybody who preaches Paul is a rich guy, it's wrong. If you think in the Bible that Paul was rich, he was not rich. He was poor. And as a poor man, he preached the gospel. So if we would have rated his ministry on his financial income, Paul would have been the lowest of all, for he didn't take up money from people. He worked himself. He worked as a tent maker. And, 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 and that was the principle from where he went. But he said, I did have a right to take up finances from you or to receive from you, but I didn't even mention that. I didn't even mention that you can give to me. It wasn't even mentioned. All he did was he worked and preached and never spoke about money. That's basically what happened. And then when he spoke, he always spoke through a letter when he was gone, and then he gave the correct teaching, and then he added and said, I will still not receive from you, because then I'm taking away the glory that I have, and that was to not take money from you, but to work and to preach the gospel. Now, isn't that awesome? 
You know, the, the greatest apostle of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, wasn't even full-time in ministry, if you want to call it that way. He was working and preaching the gospel. And his passion was just to share this truth. So, yes, there is a, there is a principle in the Bible that says, he was rich, he became poor, Jesus now, so that we through his poverty might be made rich. And that's what we believe. And by faith we've got access into grace. Amen. And giving is something that just flows naturally from our hearts. So know this, you will prosper because of who God is. Amen. The Bible says that my God shall meet all your needs according to His riches which is in His glory. And the Bible says we beheld His glory. It was full of grace and truth. So God meets your needs according to the riches of His grace and Him not being conscious of your sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let me just pray for everybody. I want to just speak the blessing of God that already rests upon you. I just want to... um, confess that, you know, that it's on your life right now. So, if you've got any financial difficulty, if you want to, if you say, my God, you know, I don't see financial prosperity in my life in a certain area, or I would like uh, a a certain amount of money to come in, I've got a need that must be met. I would like to pray for you right now, and after the prayer, we're going to go into worship. Father, I want to thank you that you're a good God. I want to thank you for your unconditional love. I thank you that you care for people. And right now, I just speak prosperity over everybody. For that is what your word says. Your word says, you can only declare free on earth what has already been set free in heaven. So I declare on this earth, you've been set free from your poverty. You've been set free from that need. And that God meets your need according to His riches in glory right now by the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, I speak that blessing that is over you. I say, you are the blessed of God and it manifests right now. You are set free from all your poverty in Jesus' mighty name. I, want, I just want you right now, where you are, say this, say these words, just follow me in these words, say, Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead He is seated at the right hand of the Father where He has received all prosperity on my behalf. I am in Christ. I don't have to try to receive blessing because I believe this. I enter in and rest in Jesus that has received it all on my behalf. Therefore, this blessing manifests right now. Amen. Amen. Well, we, that's more than enough reason to go over into worship and to worship God. Just enjoy this worship. I want to speak on Proverbs, um, uh, not Proverbs, I want to speak on Psalm 103, 103, and just a little bit about healing. You know, Jesus Christ came to bring healing to us. He wants us to be healed. He wants us, he wants, he, he wants us to live a, a life that is full. You know, in my life, like last night, my son came in and he had uh, um, diarrhea. And here at 3 o'clock in the morning he comes and he's crying. Yeah, I've been to the toilet so many times and my stomach is paining and what, what, what. I prayed for him. He felt better. I said, get in bed with me. He jumped in bed and he had a cold fever, shaking, shivering, everything. 
So then he said, then he starts crying again. He says, he feels the pain coming again. I said to him, well, go to the toilet. I'll just pray for you. You know? And he went and he came back. He's healed until now. So, I, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to have a quality life in this world. The only thing that the, that the Lord um, said that He's not uh, basically taking away is, and I think it's, it would be very difficult for Him to do that, is persecution. We will be persecuted for righteousness sake. If we are persecuted, people speak bad about us, people want to close doors for us because we preach the gospel. That is what the Bible says will happen. The Bible says they will even kill you and think they do God a favor. And Jesus promised us those things, not as if He would give it to us, but that He said that's how people that are against the gospel of grace will, um, will I mean, that's, that's how they will relate to you. That's what they will do. But we don't have to say, well, my burden that I'm carrying is I've got this, this uh, sore knee and I'm going to walk with this sore knee for the rest of my life. We, we, that's not what we do. We're not going to do it that way. We're never going to do it that way. The only way we're going to live in this world is we are there. God, Jesus Christ came to bring us health in this world. And we can, we can walk by that. Now, there's sometimes when, when, when we don't get supernatural healing and uh, we go to a doctor, but I've seen one thing about doctors and if you're a doctor watching this, I'm, I'm not against doctors. Uh, my, man, my sister is a doctor. It's, I've got friends that's doctors, and I believe that God used doctors powerfully. Thousands of people would die today and would be dead. The population of the world would be much smaller if there hasn't been doctors. You know, so with all the vaccinations and all those type of things we get these days, it helps people to live. But what I've seen is that a, a doctor helping you is not as good as a miracle from Jesus Christ. And another thing that I've seen is if you go to the doctor and you say, well, I've got a neck, a neck problem, it's paining, they've got a, a standard procedure that they're going to go through because they don't know what's wrong with you. They can't see. They're not God. You know, they don't know what's wrong. So they will say, well, drink this and let's see. Then you drink it and it doesn't work. They say, okay, now the next uh, thing in, in the line is this. So drink this now and let's see. And let's take an x-ray and let's do this and tests and sonar and so it goes on until they find the fault and then they give you a tablet and then uh, or do an op and most of those things has got side effects to it. Um, so I don't say that we can't go to a doctor. Like I've, I mean, I've been, I'm just, I'm busy recovering from a hernia operation. Uh, so I've been, man, I had toothache and I had to go to the dentist times in my life. But there are many other things in my life that God has healed. God's healed my wife. God's healed my children. God's healed me. So many times. Not once. Many times. And I just think that we should come to a place and know this, that healing is for us. That's what God has given unto us. And this is what, what He says in Psalms 103 from verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Now, this, this is Psalm 103 from verse 1. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who, for, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. Now, listen to what He does. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all thy diseases. Isn't that awesome? That's the benefits of the kingdom of God. He forgives. This is New Testament prophecy. 
He forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. In other words, um, we, you know that the definition of loving kindness, the nature or the character of a person that wants to bless others. If I just say it in short. You know, and of tender mercies, treating you better than you deserve, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like that of the eagle. So, I believe in my life, yes, we're gonna, uh, you will become grey. Yes, you will be, you'll get, um, you know, older. It's just gonna happen that way. You're gonna get older. But, you don't have to look 90 at 60. It's not the way it's supposed to be. I, I believe that if the Bible, in the Bible times clearly that we can become very old. God will satisfy you. That's what the Bible teaches us with a long life. So you can live a life where you feel satisfied. Um, where you say, I'm satisfied now with how long I live. Like Paul says, I've run my race. And there's a time in the lives of people where you come to a place where you feel, I've run my race. And then you say, thank you Lord, I've had enough now. Um, of preaching the gospel here and everything, I want to be with the Lord. And then you go to where the Lord Jesus Christ is. It's as simple as that. But in this life, we don't have to live uh, always, you know, being afraid of cancer, being afraid of, you know, if you're a lady, you feel just a little knob in your breast, you, oh, you know, you're scared. You don't have to live like that. You know, if you feel a pain in your back, you don't have to think, oh, yes, what's this now? No, no. The Bible says here, the benefits, some of the benefits of the kingdom of God is also that He heals me of all my diseases. Now, how do we get healing? And the thing that I've seen these days, and, and we must be very careful for this, is that we measure our spirituality or our relationship with God on if we get healed or not. We should not do that. And another thing that uh, makes that offends people and that brings a negative taste when it comes to miracle signs and wonders is that um, the authenticity or the, the measure of truth of somebody's word is now all of a sudden measured um, if a miracle happens in, the, in his, his or her ministry. And people take miracles and say, well, if I've got miracles in my life, it means I am a man or a woman of God. <clears throat> now, that's a lie. And that is a law way of thinking of it. And that's abusing the, um, the miracle power of God to use it for self-worth. Self-worth um, is given in the person of God and in the new birth. It's not given in the manifestation of miracles or the supernatural in the lives of people. Yes, we've got the supernatural. Yes, God confirms His Word, which is the Word that, this is His Word, that He heals your sickness and your disease. He confirms His Word. He does not confirm the Word of the preacher. He confirms the Word, His Word, which is written down in Isaiah 53, which was given by Paul the Apostle, that He came to take away sickness and disease and all those things, and that He's coming back so that we can have a glorified body. That's His Word that He confirms. The Word of faith. The Word of He became a human being, did everything for us, died and was resurrected. That's what He confirms. I can't come and have a teaching and say, well, you know, the Antichrist is going to come on the 27th 
of December 2009. And now I pray for a sick person. Now he gets healed. Now I say that was a confirmation of the word and the prophecy that I've just preached. No, no. God heals that sick person as a confirmation of the word that says, by the stripes of Jesus Christ we are healed. And He carried our sickness, He bore our diseases, and that the benefits of the gospel, one of the benefits of the gospel is that we are healed. Amen. That is it. Let's go to to Proverbs quickly. Proverbs chapter 4. You know, there are times in one's life, and I've, I've come to that many times, I'm not against drinking tablets and uh, going for an injection and those type of things, although I don't do that often. If I, you know, sometimes you get a headache, you think, oh, well, let me just drink a tablet. And you drink it and you feel better, you know, and it's gone. But then there's times when you drink, drink a tablet and the headache's gone for about two, three hours and then it comes back. You drink another one and it's gone. And then you go and see the doctor and he doesn't know what it is and costs you a lot of money. And then you come to a place and it's like Vessel and I, we, dis- we, we discuss it in the week. You know, it's like you come to a place where you realize, man, now God must heal me now. And it's as if something in you jumps up and says, I'm not settling for this because my inheritance is health. You know, and, and, and I'm not going to lean on the arm of people to get me healed. I've been like that before. My wife... Had a, um, had, a, had a certain thing that bothered her and we went to the doctor and the doctor gave a tablet and, uh, it, and it was going, well, it wasn't going better. Nothing happened, no change. And uh, then we went back and then he said, no, they've got to take a, a scan of her brain because this, this can be that there might be some, some uh, growth in her brain that causes this thing in her life. And I said, doctor, thank you. Amen. Finished now. I went home. I said to my wife, and you know, before that we prayed and said, well, we prayed this condition will change. And nothing happened. And we went home and we said, Father, I'm not going to check if there's a growth in my wife's brain. I'm not doing that. Your word says clearly, and it's not the Bible, the word Uh, The word that was manifested, the computation, the reasoning, the nature of God that was manifested. We saw the Father's heart in Jesus. And when we saw Jesus, we saw the Father. And He went about doing good, healing all that was oppressed of the devil. And the Holy Spirit was given unto us. And we by that power speak and receive by faith. And it was not our faith that heals us. It's the faith of Jesus Christ that heals us. He had enough faith when He walked this planet to take away every disease and every sickness from man. And I am in Christ and where Jesus is today, we are healed. And in the name of Jesus Christ, my wife, I declare you healed right now. And I have received also in that the power to speak this healing forth and to see a manifestation of this. You are healed now. Two weeks later, she was completely healed. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Until today. That is the power of God. That's what God wants for us. That's what God gives us. Amen. So, I'm not against any tablets or anything, but I want to say this to you, that Jesus Christ came to give you health. He came to give you prosperity. You are the healed of God and the supernatural power of God manifests. 
Now I've seen people get sick and tired of the healing teaching because of a lot of manipulation and control and self-worth building going with it. You know, and you just feel, well, you know, I've been like that. I've been in a service where, where, where a guy lays hands on the sick to get them healed and they fall over and everything. You can see that he gets so much self-worth out of this that I just say, well, I will not let him pray for me because I am not to be abused for his self-worth. Now, I fall over like something just to, just to make him feel good. I'm not going to do that and fall under the pressure of everybody in the queue is falling over and everybody in the queue is saying, well, I'm healed, I'm healed. Now, I'm going to say I'm healed because otherwise the man of God feels bad, you know. I'm, and that type of thing has brought a sour taste in our mouths when it comes to healing. But let me tell you something. Healing is beautiful. It is of God. It is there to see the sick being healed. That's why God heals. Because He's got a compassion for lost people. He's got a compassion for sick people. And the word of His kingdom, and that His kingdom is true, manifests in the lives of people. We see signs, wonders, and miracles. Hallelujah. And I want to say this as well. The, the purpose of a miracle is to confirm the word so that you can believe the word and that the word, that, that the faith that the word of God brings in your life can manifest in your life. We don't believe um, because of a miracle. We, it's a confirmation of the faith that has already come into our hearts when we heard the word of God. That's what happened. So we're not going to abuse miracles. But I want to say to you, if there's any sick person watching this, there's healing for you in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's healing for you. And we're going to have communion today together. And we're going to see the miracle power of God manifest in your life when it comes to healing. Manifest in your life when it comes to your finances. Manifest in your life when it comes to relationships with people. You know, the, the message of grace is a supernatural message. It is something that manifests what is not seen. Hallelujah. Bless God. And so many times, because we don't have this resurrected body right now, we, we, we feel that we fall short and that we cannot, um, you know, have the supernatural power of God. No, you can have it. You can be healed. You can be prosperous. You can, be, you can have joy. You can experience a good relationship with God, a good relationship with your wife and your children and your neighbor. You can have all of that because of the message of grace and the compassion and love that flows from you. Amen. That is, that's what God has got for us. Now, we're going um, we, we're gonna, let, let me see if I can find that scripture in, um, I think it's Philemon. No, it's in Titus, I'm not sure. But what it says, yeah, th- th- this is it. Titus chapter 1, it says, Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the knowledge of the truth which is after godliness. Now, this is wonderful. You know, what he says here is that the knowledge of the truth is after godliness. So, the moment we get knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ, it produces godliness in our lives. Okay? In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. So, God promised eternal life before the world began unto man. Okay, so what we will receive in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal life. But it's not to say that if you don't experience eternal life now that you cannot be healed. Because the last enemy 
that will be conquered is death in your life. But before that, all the other enemies will be conquered. So sickness will be conquered. Poverty will be conquered. Fear will be conquered. All of those things has been conquered in Jesus Christ. Even eternal life and death has been conquered in Christ. And the victory of that is already in your spirit because the Bible says we've got this hope of glory which is immortality in earthen vessels. And while this hope is still there and we wait for the return of the Lord, we experience healing. We experience prosperity. We experience joy. Power where we go. Favor in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the goodness of God. That's what He's come to give us. So I want to tell you, don't disqualify yourself to receive healing. Jesus Christ obeyed on your behalf. He had enough faith on your behalf to see the end of that sickness in your body. And I just felt in my heart that I'm going to make a bit of a... um, a, a, I want to speak about healing for a short time every time when when we've got church. Because we need to see this miraculous power in our lives. That's why we've got the communion here today. Because His body was broken for us. Amen. Now, um, I want to I wanna get in some other word as well. Let's, yeah, we're going we're gonna to use the communion at the end. And I want you to have just this atmosphere of healing, this faith that's in our heart already. You know, we don't sit here and say, God, is a miracle going to happen? No, we know. It's going to happen in the lives of the people that are sick that's watching, watching this. If you've got a family member or somebody that you want to stand in for, man, you do that. And that's what God has given you. That's part of your inheritance. Don't forget the benefit that says, we, He heals all my diseases. Amen. But Bertie, you went for an operation. I'm not preaching in the name of Bertie Brutz. I'm preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I am not seated on your behalf at the right hand of the Father. So, listen man, if I was your Savior, you would have all of a sudden have a lot of problems. Because you would have identified with me and everything that I am, you would become overnight. And in, a, in, in an instant. But Jesus Christ is our representative. He's our high priest. He's the one that makes intercession for us. When He's approved of God, you are approved of God. When one is blessed, all, is, all of them are blessed. So we are, I'm preaching in the name of Jesus Christ today. Where He is seated today at the right hand of the Father. He's without blemish. He's without spot. He's righteous. He's healed. He's prosperous. He's everything. And you are resting in Christ if you are a born again believer. And when you are resting in Christ, let me tell you something. Everything that He inherited when He stood up out of the dead and He was the firstborn amongst the dead, amongst many brethren. He was the firstborn from the dead. When He stood up from that, He stood up into perfection and we stand up into that. Now, you might say we don't see everything as imperfect now because we've got a body that still dies. It doesn't matter. It's on its way. For God that cannot lie promised. And that's what it says there in Titus. Hallelujah. But what He says is go and heal the sick so we can be healed. Amen. We can be prosperous because of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to say this to, towards your finances, towards your relationships, towards all of that, all of that and favor and all, all of those things, that because Jesus Christ died, because He is seated at the right hand of the Father today in a glorified body, and that is a fact, and you are in Christ 
you have a right, you are righteous to be blessed. It's yours already. You don't have to say, oh God, how am I going to pull this down from heaven? How am I going to draw this from the supernatural? How am I going to receive this? Open up your eyes and realize that when Jesus stood up out of the grave, what He stood up into, that's what He received of God. He received absolute prosperity. He received absolute healing and peace. He received it, and when He received it, He received it in human flesh. For He said to His disciples, I am not a ghost. Touch me, feel me, give some fish, let me eat with you. So he was physical and that is very important because, because of the fact that he was physical and received it in a physical body, he has received it on your behalf. So you don't even have to receive the prosperity, you have already received it. Just be convinced that it is that way. Amen. Just be convinced that you are already healed. The ingredients for healing is number one, a good self-worth, an understanding of the grace of God. Amen. That's what you need to know. And that's yours. You don't have to even say, well, I'm going to now receive this. As faith arises in your body right now, you experiencing healing and you experiencing those symptoms leaving you. Amen. Let's read it again. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is, this is the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Jesus Christ has redeemed our life from destruction. And how did He redeem our lives from destruction? By redeeming us from the law. Because the law is what brings forth destruction to every person that tries to keep it. So He's redeemed your life from destruction. You don't stand under the law system before God anymore. He's redeemed you. He's brought you prosperity and favor and healing. Amen. That's the benefits. And that you can grow old looking young. Amen. All of that. He's given that to us. The Lord executes executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. So if we are oppressed by sickness, He will execute righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. So, and that's what He does for us. He's made known His ways unto Moses, acts unto the children of Israel. So what has He done? He's, in the Old Testament, they already said, he's, he's made known His ways. Look how He always helps those that are oppressed. Amen. So if you're under oppression, there's a God that's helped you in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in, in mercy. And He will not always chide, never will He keep His anger, His anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy, mercy towards them that believe in Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far, far has He removed our transgressions 
from us. Like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him or believe in him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Man, isn't that so, so awesome? That is what God has done for us. He says He prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. Other people need to go and fight the enemy. We don't fight the enemy. We don't do that. We eat of the table of the Lord. Amen. We eat His body and His blood in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of the way it goes in, all over the world. Let me give you a wonderful prophetic word. This, this recession the world is in is going to change. And people will prosper. And the gospel of grace will be preached. And the gospel of grace will be preached all over the world. And righteousness will come to people. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against this message. The message of the law will never suppress the message of grace. And the grace message is taking over. What I mean by that is, it will be spread all over the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus Christ. That is, that is the prophetic word, if you wanted a prophetic word. So, yes, God's blessing rests upon us. And the foundation for that blessing is Jesus. Amen. Not how hard you try to believe. By resting your mind in the fact that His faith was big enough to give it to you. Amen. Let's open the Bible in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm just a normal preacher. Amen. Oh, it's okay. It's so hot here. You know, I think it must be about 40 degrees Celsius outside. And uh, we've, we've taken the aircon from, this, from the studio and put it in the office and the next aircon will, uh, will be here on Monday. So, bless God. Okay, right. Let's go to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, I want to get to verse 4. It says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, I want to just say this to you. The light of your life is the life of Jesus Christ. Your life is not your light. Your life is not what will bless you in this life. The life of Jesus Christ was the light of man. So the way He lived on earth is what enlightens you. Amen. And we're going to look at what this life consisted out of and what this life really was. So I want to say to you, know this, that the life of Jesus is the light in your life. So the less we make of the life of Jesus and what that does for us, the less we have, the less we are enlightened. So the more focus we put on the law, the more focus we put on our works, the less illumination we will experience from God, because the less we make of the life of Jesus Christ. Now there's a doctrine that says Jesus Christ has already enlightened everybody. Rubbish. It's not true. He enlightens every man that comes unto Him. That's what happens with His life. And we've got access into that through faith. Now, the, enlight the enlightenment that the Bible talks about in John chapter 1 is also called the new birth. It's also called grace. 
and truth. Now let's go and read this again. It says, In Him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now that word comprehended is not the word understand in the Greek. It's the word to grab a hold of and to make use of negative. In other words, it is the, the opposite word for receive. It is to reject. So what it says here, it says that in verse 5, And light shines in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. So darkness does not receive it. A law mentality does not receive the message of grace. Now I want to just say this, and I want to make a statement that might be shocking to you. Um, The moment you are born of the law, it becomes very difficult to become born of God. Because you are born of darkness. The light that's in you is darkness. And how great is that darkness? And one can come to a place where you fall so in love with the law that, can, that what happened to the Pharisees can happen to you. Where darkness does not receive that light. Where you will never receive the message of grace. There can come a place in your heart where the law has hardened your heart so much that you cannot receive grace. It's not because God is not gracious towards you. It's not that God has not paid for your sins. But it becomes, it is simply because you are blinded to the point where you cannot see anything that Jesus Christ has done. And whatsoever God has done in Jesus becomes your enemy. And that you will be against it. You'll stand up and fight against it. You will, you, you will hate the message of grace. Because of your love for the law. So, one of the fruits of being in the law is rejection of the gospel of grace and hatred towards the message of grace. And, uh, uh, um, I want to use the right word now, and, and, an inability to understand the dynamics of grace. It's like one of the preachers in Hermanus, um, you know what happened, he, he, he came into grace and he shared it with his wife. And he said, you know, they almost went through a divorce because of it. Because she could not understand what he was talking about. But when I preached in his church years ago, he also struggled to hear what I was saying. Although he was gravitating towards it. But he struggled to see that. So I want to just say this clearly to you. That the law uh, uh, has got this thing to bring a callous, or to callous your heart. You cannot hear what God says, and this is what it says here, it says that grace, the message of, of, or, or, or darkness, cannot receive or grab a hold of the light. There was a man sent from God, verse 6, whose name was John. The same came with a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Okay, so what happens is, through Jesus and the preaching of John, all men should believe. I believe that John came as a witness, but Jesus Christ came so that everybody should believe. He was not that light. John the Baptist was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteneth every man that comes into the world. Now, it talks about how he is enlightened. Of course, the foundation is believed in verse 7. That was, uh, uh, verse, verse 9, that was the true light, which lighteneth every man that comes into the world. He was in the world... And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, grabbed a hold of, with a purpose to make use of, he gave the power to become the sons 
of God. And, and under the Born, Born of God series, I explain that, that in depth and it says, But as to many as to grab a hold of Jesus, with a purpose to make use of Jesus, He gave the authority to receive the very being of God, and that is to them that believe on His name. So what He says here is, The light that enlightens everyone is the life of Jesus. The life He lived when He was on the earth, and the life that He possesses right now where He's seated next to the Father in the authority of God. The life that He has is the life that enlightens you. And how do we have access to that? By seeing what Jesus Christ has done for you, grabbing a hold of that with a purpose to make use of it. So when you grab a hold of with a purpose to make use of what Jesus Christ has done for you, you will experience the life of God coming into you and the authority to receive the being of God. And at that point, the nature of Jesus, where He is seated at the right hand of the Father, comes right into your being and God starts to live in human flesh, your flesh today. And we've got this treasure in an earthen vessel so that the manifestation of whatsoever is good in our lives is not of ourselves but of God and all the glory goes to God. That's what it is. But I want to just say it in the other way so that you can hear what this also implies. If we are part of the law system and we are in love with the law, so I want to just say this to you if you watch this with a law mentality and you may be watching this to see what does Bafti say, I want to say this as a warning to you as well. In the love of God, with the compassion of God, it's in my heart, I want to say to you, my brother, my sister, don't play with fire. If you play with fire, you're going to get burnt some other day. Like my one friend says, if you play in front of the hole of the snake, he's going to come out and bite you sometime. It might take 10 or 20 years, but you're going to be bitten. And that is exactly what the Old Testament has taught us. You know, the snake will bite you. And the snake speaks of the doctrine of Satan, which is the mentality that says, by works righteousness I can be like God. That does not grab a hold of grace. So listen, if you are listening to this and you feel a renounce against grace, you feel, man, I don't, I don't like this when I hear this. There's something in me that stands up against it. Um, no, it's not the Spirit of God. And I don't want to accuse you of saying, oh, you're of Satan. All that I'm saying is, is that it's the Spirit of the Lord. It is the man that's born of the Lord that cannot receive what God gives. And see it as, oh my God, thank you that I can be delivered from this. Please deliver me. And God can deliver you, you know. So, know this thing for sure. God can and will deliver you from that. So, just for a moment, pray this prayer in your heart. Say, God, I want to just hear what Bertie says now. Because this, I, I want to grab a hold of you because I want, like, like he read in Titus, that the grace of God is towards good works. Amen. And godliness. And I want to have God's godliness. Not Bertie's manifestation of godliness by obedience to scriptures. So, the life of Jesus, the life that he has today, is what manifests in my life. Now it comes, it, it continues, it says, And that word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his light, or glory, 
So, uh, so many times we want to mistake, mistake the word glory for many things, but know this, the word glory speaks of the light of God, speaks of the goodness of God, many other things. But the context here is light, the manifestation of light. So he says here that the, he is the light that enlightens every man. And that light, the, the, the light that enlightens every man is the life of Jesus Christ. Now what was this life of Jesus? What did it consist out of? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his light. The light as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what was this light? It was full of grace and truth. Then it continues and says, And of His fullness, in other words, of this grace and truth have we received. And grace for grace. Now, grace for grace, there's there's different ways of interpreting this, but the Hebrew way of saying uh, a lot of was, uh, was just simply repeating the word. So, uh, uh, the, the word uttermost can also be seen as that translated into just simply repeating the word. So, the Jews, when they want to say a lot of grace, they didn't say a lot of grace. They said uh, uh, grace for grace or grace upon grace or grace, grace. So, um, it, it's like there's a place in the Bible when it says, and the certain guy, you will surely die. That surely die uh, in Genesis is, is not, the word surely is not there. It just says, and you will die, die. In the Hebrew. So in the same way, this was written in Hebrew, then translated into Greek. It says, but grace and truth came by Jesus, sorry, uh, and of His fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. It means a lot of grace, and grace in abundance we have received, which is also influence. But what we can say is, you can see it in a different way as well, and that is, and of His fullness, which is His glory, which is His life, which is what makes us like God, what gives us the right to be like God. We have received. And what have we received? We have received influence in our lives because of the influence He had on mankind. Grace for grace. In other words, He has influenced all of man by dying for all of man, because the Greek word for grace is the word influence. He had grace on mankind. He influenced all of mankind by bringing righteousness to every man. And when I saw that and believed that, I experienced an influence in my own life. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So here we can see that the writer John clearly distinguishes between the law and grace. So what he was saying is he said here that the, the, the law people... If you take, because it's peculiar, and he says for the law, all of a sudden it talks about the law, you know. But he was actually talking about law and, and, and grace from the beginning. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was made, uh, um, the Word was God, came to earth, everything in Him, in the Word was life. And then the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay, then he comes and he talks and he says, those that are, those are born of God, those that believe, not born of the will of man. In verse 12. Again, speaking, comparing the life of God with the ministration of death. Okay, then he comes and he says, This word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld its glory. And then we, who are believers now, received of his fullness, and we received grace. That's why we are saved. And then he compares the two again, and he says, For the law comes from Moses, the ministration of death, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now that word came... Um, literally means in the Greek came into existence because it was not known to man it was not known to man when Jesus came and lived who God was grace came into existence 
for man. And man could believe it and have access to it. No man has seen God at any time. That's why it says grace only came now. Because grace would have been seen before if people could see God for who He truly was. But Jesus came, saw God for who He truly was. And what did He see? He saw a God that was full of love. He saw a God that was full of grace and full of, 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 of truth. So, I want to say this to you, and and this is the message for you today. The life you have in you today is directly or equal in your revelation and your mindset of grace and no consciousness of sin. The more you see God as a God of grace, a God that influences your life through His life, the more you see the influence of God as absolute in your life, And the more you see Him as walking in truth, having no consciousness of your sins, for that's the true definition of truth, having no consciousness of sins, the greater you will find the manifestation of the nature of God in you. So the pathway unto holiness, and the pathway unto righteousness, and the pathway unto healing and prosperity is not the law of Moses, for the law came by Moses, but grace... And truth came by Jesus Christ, which is that which enlightens you and gives you the new nature. The context of John chapter 1 is the manifestation of a God person. You know what he was saying is he's talking about the new birth. He says here that Jesus Christ, the Word of God, what is the Word of God? The Word of God is the nature of God. It is who God is manifested, it is the idea behind what is said. So the idea, God's way of thinking, who God was, what He tried to portray through Old Testament scriptures and prophecy and all of that, was manifested. Okay? And that became flesh and dwelt among us. So then we could see God's idea. We could see God's way of thinking about man. We could see all of that. And that was flooded in what Jesus Christ did. It was flooded with grace. What was that grace? He obeyed on your behalf. He died on your behalf. He tithed on your behalf. He gave on your behalf. He carried sickness on your behalf. He he was resurrected, received the very being of God in human flesh forevermore as sinless on your behalf. That is flooded with grace. It wasn't flooded with the law. It wasn't flooded with commandments. It wasn't flooded with that. It was flooded with grace and truth. The true manifestation of who God is, which was forgiveness of sins towards the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. It was to the centurion that never qualified, yes, I will come and heal. Amen, I will come and heal your servant. It was towards the sinners, a friend of sinners. Amen. And that is what you need to see and observe of God. When you see and observe that of God, what will happen? Verse 12. But as many as received Him. Received Him. Who's He? Received grace and truth. He gave the authority to be called or to receive the very being or come into existence of God. So people, let me tell you, the only way is Jesus. He's the only way unto the very unto God existing and manifesting in your life unto whatever you dream to have in God. Hallelujah. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
it says. Let's go to verse, um, talking about the glory of God. Chapter 3, verse 18. Let's first read verse 14. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when it shall uh, when it shall turn to the Lord, or when they shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with an open face, beholding as into a, in, into a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what is he saying? He says that Jesus Christ... Listen to this. When we look at the glory of God, when you look at the influence of God, what Jesus is today, what He stood up into, when we look at that, we look as into a mirror. And when we look into that mirror, and we grab a hold of that with a purpose to make use of it by saying, that is so, Jesus. That's what you have done for me. Then in this life, we are changed into a different image. Okay? Now verse 4. Therefore, seeing we have this testimony, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, that is the law, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, which is the law, because in verse 14 it says the law blinds us. It says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. Now, that is uh, 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 very important to, to understand. What he's saying there is so powerful, because what he says, he says, listen, the law blinds people, so that the nature of God cannot shine in them. And so many times people fend for the law, because they think that's how they're going to get the nature of God. The law is, a, the, law is the power of sin in the life of every person. It's been declared by God Himself through the Apostle Paul, and it's been declared in Jesus Christ so many places. So, the law is not what will get you to it. When you're in the law, you are blinded to Jesus and you cannot see the truth and you are unsaved. This is what it says. Let's read. To whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Um, but uh, Verse 3. But our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. To those that are lost, the gospel is hid. Why? Because they cannot see the grace of God. Why? Because they favor the law above grace. We cannot, people, we cannot stand in a law mentality. The life of God is that which is manifested when we start to grab a hold of, with a purpose to make use of, of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that is a life that will manifest in our lives. So, my message to you today, directly linked to your revelation of grace and your, you, you seeing the grace of God is linked 
um, the manifestation of God's life in you. The less you make of grace, the less you make of the life of Jesus Christ. The more we make of grace, the more we make the influence of Jesus in our, in our life and the more we will see godliness and God's life in our lives. Amen. Man, isn't that awesome? So, remember this. His life is the light that manifests in you. The light that manifests in you is the fruit of His grace. And what manifests in you is the very being and nature of God. Isn't that a stable, powerful system whereby we can live and walk in holiness? I want to just see. I read a scripture last night. Maybe I can find it quickly. Um... Listen to this, just, just concerning this, this law system. It says in Titus 1 verse 9, it says, Holding fast to the, to, to the faithful word, and has been taught that, um, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly... Now this is, this is Paul writing to Titus saying to them that there are people that are unruly, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers especially they of the circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped. So there were people of the circumcision that came and preached to the church, and they are really, they, are, they were gainsayers, they are um, vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert whole house, houses, teaching things with the, which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. For money's sake. So there he says, man, listen, there are guys out there that comes, especially of the circumcision, the law perspective that preaches things that's not supposed to be pre- preached, that are gainsayers. Now, what I, my definition of a gainsayer is somebody that says things so, so that you can do it, so that you can gain something. Okay? Um, whose mouth must be stopped. Especially they of the circumcision who subvert whole houses. They come and they, many people start to believe them. Teaching things which they ought not. Why are they teaching things that it should not teach? For their own pocket's sake. Now, just listen and let God speak to you. And let the scripture speak to you. What we want is, in this life, we want to see people stand up in the very nature of God. And not people stand in, in stuff that is not really fr- uh, uh, fr- from God, you know. So we, want, want the, we don't want people being born of the law system. We want people to be born of the finished work of Jesus Christ, walking in that uprightness, walking in that finished work of His love for us. Amen. Now let's go to, over to the communion. Remember, if you've got any question, you can, you can email it to live at dynamicministries.com and we will answer it for you maybe in the next session or so. And, and from now on, in every live session, we will have it that way. Amen. Um, I want to go to Corinthians. First uh, uh, Corinthians. First Corinthians. Verse, uh, chapter 11, 
And we're going to talk about the communion. When we have communion people, and that's another thing that I've also decided this week, we're going to have communion more frequently because we need to be reminded of the power of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We need to be reminded of that. We need to just walk in the revelation of that. And this is something physically that we can have and relate with in Jesus' name. Now let's look at what Paul said here in 1 Corinthians. And now connect this with a teaching that I've taught on uh, healing, finances today, and also the new nature that's in us. So, um, yeah. For those of you that, that, are, that are viewing on the website, uh, you will not find... Um, uh, uh, it's going to cut off now because we're going over time. But thank God for those of you that, that we're viewing this live, we're going to partake of this and it will be in the archive for another two days. Amen. Right. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11. It says, The context here is people that came together to have communion. Now what they did when they came together is they had a party. They brought all their wine and they got drunk and they ate and they didn't wait for each other. People sitting outside not having food. Others were eating and they came to the church meeting. It's like coming to church. Everybody brings his own food and then there's poor people that didn't bring food. And people eat and laugh and drink and get drunk at church, talk about God a bit and go home. That's what they did with communion. So they did not know what the communion were. They didn't understand what the body of Christ was. Nobody taught this to them. They just knew that they had to do it. They don't know why or how. And then God revealed to Paul supernaturally. He wrote to the church in Corinth. And as he wrote to the church in Corinth, they could come to a better understanding of this. And there's a wonderful thing he said here, and I want to read it to you. It says here, because they don't understand the, the, uh, uh, the Lord's body. It says, for this cause, because you don't understand what the body of Christ is all about and what the work of Jesus Christ is all about, this is what happens. It says, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many has already died. So what this means is that if you can discern the body of the Lord, that you, can be sick, you, you, can, you don't have to be sick, you can be healed, you, can, you don't have to be weak. Weak in your body and also, believe, I believe, weak in every area of life. We don't have to be weak. And you can have a long life. Amen. You don't have to die at 55 of some sickness or disease. You can become old. Amen. That's what he says. If we can understand the body of Jesus Christ. Now, um, this is what he said in verse 24, verse 20, 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, so many times we take communion in remembrance of our sins. Man, that is baloney. Don't do that. What you do, when you take the body, you think of what happened, when you take the bread, you think of what happened to his body. And you say, I identify with it. As you eat it, and it becomes part of your system, you say, the healing of God is in my flesh, it's in my blood, it's in my body, and I am the heal of God, and I take a hold of, I grab a hold of, with a purpose to make use of, 
Jesus, when His body was broken, the law man that related to God through the flesh died forevermore. I don't relate to God through the law. I am not part of the curse. I shall never be part of the curse. For His body is my body. When His body was broken, the law was broken. Amen. And that body was broken. And thank God we also know of the resurrection of the body. And that body was then glorified. And that we can today live in the glorification of Jesus and not our works. And we walk by the power of God and His Spirit and not man's efforts. That is what you're mindful of when, when the bread is broken. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what you think of. And then he went on. He says, um, And after the same manner he took the cup. In other words, he first thank, then he took the cup. And when he uh, supped, saying, This is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till He comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, in other words, not knowing what He's doing, or in my words, uh, uh, and more, more uh, um, relevant for the day, is mindful of the law and your works and your sin and your guilt, it says, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself, so that him, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine your heart today. When you take this bread, when you take this, and, and, and it's broken, when you eat of this, examine yourself. Am I a, a law-based person? Am I judgmental towards myself? And am I looking towards myself today and my works uh, or am I mindful of the body of the Lord, Jesus Christ, when He died, the law body was broken, the last Adam, 